0: Welcome to the One-in-One Podcast, where below-average podcaster chats with an above-average athlete. I'm your host, Bridget B. My guest today is Brandon True, who played football at Albright College in 2011 before transferring to Bloomsburg University, where he played in 2012 and 2013. He now is a CrossFit and Florida Grid League athlete. Brandon, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Bridget. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. And I have to think with a last name like True, you cannot tell a lie.
1: Absolutely, that is correct. (laughs) (laughs) I've had just about every joke imaginable made there.
0: Oh, I can imagine. Yeah, you have to be truthful all the time.
1: Uh, I certainly will be today.
0: (laughs) Well, I am an alum of Bloomsburg University, so it's great to talk with another alum.
1: Yeah, I don't meet a lot of them. Uh, I'm currently living down in South Florida, so I don't meet a lot of <laughs> Bloomsburg alumni. And then to get a random email from somebody who happened to go to the same school as me it was actually very, uh, very coincidental, very crazy for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, very ironic. It was destiny that you'd be on this podcast. Uh,
1: I must have been.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned you're living in Florida now, but you actually grew up in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, which is a state capital. What's your, what was your childhood mm-hmm. like?
1: Uh, childhood was, you know, somewhat uneventful. Um, I went to a Catholic private school, um, for grade school. And then that's kind of when I started playing football. Um, my dad was, uh, uh an athlete through college as well. He was a very good, um, baseball player. And so basically from the moment that I was able to start playing sports, um, I signed up for every sport that I was uh, able to. So started football, I guess, when I was seven. Um, baseball, I think I was able to start a little bit earlier, like six. And then I played basketball for a couple of years as well. So my childhood was like just sports pretty much year round. Every season I had to be doing something, playing some kind of a sport. And um, that's kind of how I fell in love with football. But if I'm being completely honest, and if you ask my family, I was actually better at baseball than I was at football. I just didn't enjoy baseball, so I didn't put any time into it.
0: Mm, okay. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people that played baseball end up playing a different sport <laughs> because they don't love it. I guess it's not enough action.
1: Right. So I actually played it in the outfield because I had a lot of speed. I could cover a lot of ground really quickly. Um, but the problem with that is I'd be sitting out in the outfield for you know. 20, 30 minutes at a time, and if the ball didn't get hit to me, I'm just standing out in the grass for 20 minutes. And, like, especially as a kid, you just don't have that kind of attention span. I actually played up through through high school, um, and every year I would tell my dad, like, hey, I don't want to play baseball next year. And he would just kind of laugh and be like, okay. And then he would sign me up against my knowledge, and then I would have to play that whole season (laughs) the next year. We just kind of followed that trend up through high school.
0: (laughs) Interesting. Now, did you get recruited to play baseball at all?
1: Uh no, I only played one season of baseball in high school. Gotcha. Um, and I did that because a couple of my friends were playing, and I, I didn't really have anything to do, so I signed up. I actually did. It, it was on um, it was my sophomore year of high school, so I was on the JV team. I did really really well. Um, the varsity coach came and talked to me at the end of the season, and he was really excited for me to jump up to the varsity squad the next year. And I kind of looked at him and was like, yeah. I don't really want to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's so, so funny. That you had all that, that was the end of, my,
1: end of my baseball career, just like that. I just didn't, didn't really enjoy it, didn't have fun with it.
0: Yeah, and if you don't enjoy it, there's no point in doing it, right?
1: Exactly, and that was just more time that I could be spending training for football, which was like my real passion. Like mm-hmm. I loved football, and that's kind of all I wanted to do.
0: Yeah, I hear you. Now, you played defensive back at Bloomsburg, which makes sense since you just said you were very speedy, could cover a lot of ground. Was that the only position you ever played in football, or did you move around as a kid?
1: Um, I played, that was my position um, on defense as a kid, and I played both ways through grade school, and I played running back um, for the early years, I was tailback, and then we had I'm not exactly sure how to describe it. It's not like a fullback. It's kind of like a wingbacker. That was kind of what I played um, toward the end of middle school. It was like we ran like a three-back formation. But basically, I played running back and then uh, corner or safety. I kind of would float back and forth between the two of those. And then um, my freshman year of high school, I also played both ways, but I played wide receiver on offense and then corner on defense and then corner basically the rest of the way.
0: Gotcha. All right. Yeah, that makes sense, right? In high school, if you had that yeah. speed to also be a wide receiver,
1: yeah, my high school uh, was actually very, very strong um, with football. We send players to Division one colleges, and then um, a couple to the NFL somewhat regularly. So yeah. we were completely stacked. Like we had uh, four of our starting wide receivers from my senior year all went to Division one schools on scholarships. So wow, that's amazing. we actually. Yeah, we didn't have people who played both ways because we just had enough talent and athletes that we didn't need to.
0: Wow, that does not happen at many high schools.
1: It absolutely does not. And that was actually one of the reasons I wanted to go to that high school was because they were known as like a predominant football power and they got kids into college to play football, and that's all I really wanted to do.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's Bishop McDevitt where you went to school. It's a private Catholic school. and So you basically went to Catholic school your whole life.
1: I did, yeah, uh, from grade school up through high school.
0: Wow, okay. Now, you mentioned you guys were really good. Did you guys win any championships during your four years there?
1: Unfortunately, we didn't win anything big uh, in high school. We would always run into some issue in the playoffs. We um, we actually went undefeated most of my seasons uh, that I played at McDevitt, and then we would always lose to somebody in the playoffs um we didn't we actually so my senior year we were two games shy of the state championship which was kind of the ultimate goal um and unfortunately we lost to a team that we should not have lost to and that still kind of eats me and my friends to this day we'll we'll still talk about it like two o'clock in the morning on a Saturday when we're all home and you know reminiscing about the the high school football days.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's tough. But that's sports, right? Sometimes you lose games or, you know, on paper, you really shouldn't lose them.
1: Right, and that's one of the beautiful things about football. It's, It's, you know, they say any given Sunday. It's just like, and it's so true. Anybody can beat anybody on any given day if things just align the right way. And that's what makes football so enjoyable to watch. That's why playoff football is so crazy because it's just one game. And if you make one too many mistakes, teams that have no business even being in the game, end up winning. And Mm -hmm. it's just a very exciting sport for me in that regard.
0: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Now, being from Harrisburg, does that make you more (laughs) of an Eagles fan or a Pittsburgh Steelers fan?
1: So this is going to be a funny story. I'm actually a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. What? Yeah, so I mentioned I played uh, corner my whole life. And so defense was my primary Um, side of the the football, and right around the time, so I was born in 92, and so right when I was um, starting playing football, I was about seven or eight years old, and the Tampa Bay Bucks had the best defense in the NFL. They had Rondé Barber, Derek Brooks, Warren Sapp, John Lynch, like they were completely stacked on defense, and that's how I ended up choosing um, the team that I liked. So my dad likes the Indianapolis Colts. My mom doesn't really care about football too much, and I have—I do have a lot of members on um, both sides of my family who like either the Steelers or the Eagles, and I just kind of fell in love with watching their defense. And Rondé Barber was one of the best corners in the NFL at the time, so that was my position, and that's kind of how I chose my team. And uh, they won a Super Bowl like two years after I started. You know, I chose them as my team, and they have been absolute garbage until this <laughs> year. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you're having a good season this season with Tom Brady. You must have been pumped it, when he joined the squad.
1: Oh, my God, yeah, absolutely. Like, I have so much respect for him as a player um, and the things that he's been able to do for his entire career. And my the Bucs have been missing a quarterback pretty much since we won the Super Bowl. Like, we've never <laughs> had somebody that I was personally excited about. And then when I found out we were getting Tom Brady, like – I finally saw light at the end of the tunnel. There was finally a reason to get excited about a football season because I was like, hey, we actually have a chance now. And this season has been amazing to watch because it's been the first time we've been relevant in a very long
2: time.
0: (laughs) It's crazy, like, what just one player can do. And obviously with Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski came out of retirement. A couple other people came on board. So it's just amazing.
1: Absolutely. It's such a quarterback Driven league, like if you have an elite quarterback every single year, you have a chance,
0: you mm-hmm. know. And
1: when you have quite arguably the best quarterback to ever play the game on your team, you're never out of it.
0: Absolutely. Now you mentioned your high school; you know, sent many kids on to play D one and even in the NFL. Any notable players?
1: uh So LeSean McCoy. Oh my um, God, came from my high school. Yeah, and he's actually on the Bucks right now. So oh, nice, uh, but. <clears throat> Yeah, so he went to – he played most of his career at the Eagles, um, and he graduated the year before I went to McDevitt. Um, So I actually got to watch him play when I was in eighth grade his senior year there. Wow. And then I've been following him for a while. We had um, Aaron Barry was a defensive back for the Detroit Lions for a little bit. We had – I forget his name, but he played – safety. I think he was, a, he was a backup safety for the Cardinals. I just can't remember his name because he was a, a fair amount of years before me also. Okay. Um, so those are like the three probably most notable that we've sent.
0: Wow and that <laughs> obviously helps with recruiting to get kids to go there for high school because if you see players have gone onto the NFL you're going to want to play in that program.
1: Right and so once we kind of established that um reputation of getting kids into division one schools on football scholarships that really, and, and because we're a private school, um, kids are allowed to choose to come to us if they don't mm-hmm. want to go to their public schools. So like, we started having a lot of players from around the area choosing to come to our school, which kind of had like a, a domino effect where we would just get better and better every year. And then more players wanted to come because they wanted to make you know, football careers. And that's how we became such a, a dominant power for so long.
0: Wow, that's really cool. Now, as you mentioned, you played mostly defense because you didn't—you weren't really needed on offense. You're a really good defensive back that gets recruited for college. So, can you talk a bit about that recruiting process for you?
1: Yeah. So, um, when I first started looking at schools, um, I wasn't quite tall enough to be like a Division One caliber, but there are a lot of Division One AA schools that I was looking at and um, being actively recruited towards and the one in particular that really stood out to me that I enjoyed a lot was Holy Cross in uh, Massachusetts. So I spent a lot of time um, talking with them. There were a couple other D1 AA schools that I wasn't super thrilled about but I wanted to keep options available but Holy Cross is really where my heart was and um, they seemed to really be into me as well. So through the recruiting process I kind of made up my mind that that was where I was going. And um, I had a really good time with the recruiting process, going to all the different schools. I went to a couple of football camps at these schools so the coaches could see more of me. And um, so, unfortunately, uh, two days before the signing day, um, the national signing day, I found out that my, I, I forget if it was ACT or SAT, whatever it was, um wasn't quite high enough to qualify to go to holy cross
0: oh, so yeah, they have really big academic school sorry to cut you off go ahead
1: that's okay that's okay so they like you said they have very um high academic standards and my issue was i am pretty naturally intelligent and so that led me to put in zero effort whatsoever into school in high school <laughs> like i as long as I paid attention in class, I could get at least B's with doing like no studying and no homework. And so to me, that was good enough. You know, it is what it is. It's, it's one of those, because I didn't have to work for it. I didn't really appreciate it um, at the time. Thing. So that ended up coming back to bite me because I didn't put any effort into it. I didn't go above and beyond to be that straight A student. And so I ended up not being able to get a scholarship and qualify to go to the school that I and fallen in love with and my heart was in um so you know anybody who's listening to this I, I would say you don't really know how important it is to put effort into your grades until you find out that you can't go to the school that you love because you didn't put any effort in and by that point it's, it's too late so that would be my public service announcement for anybody listening to this who's uh, in high school but um so i found out two days before signing day that I could not go to the school that I fell in love with. And then it kind of just became a uh, like a scramble drill of who who could I possibly still contact? Um, where can I go to play football? Because that's all I really cared about. Like, I'm going to college to play football. I'll get a degree in something that I care about, but I'm there for football, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of how I, I settled on Albright. Um, so I had to go down to a Division three school in Albright, players Um, I was able to go there they still wanted me Um, so I went to Albright and that's kind of how the recruiting process went for me so it was a a big big shake up very late in my high school career going from one thing that I thought was basically a done deal to kind of having it all crash down and then like just picking whatever was available at that point
0: well I'm really sorry that happened to you
1: Eh, it's my own fault. Like I said, I, I didn't, uh, I coasted, you know, Mm -hmm. I didn't put in the effort where it needed to be. I put in all the effort I could on my body and on the field and I just didn't put it on in the books in school.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm sure that's a great life lesson. And now you're going to work hard at every area in your life, not just one.
1: Exactly. Like sometimes, you know, they say that the hardest lessons are the ones that you have to learn for yourself. And that was one that you know, my parents would always try to impress upon me how important that was, and it, it was one of those things that I just didn't listen until it was too late. So, mm. you know, once I learned it for myself, you're—you're you're absolutely right. Like now, I don't take anything for granted, and I do put in that—that that work into everything that I do.
0: Yeah, well, that's good that you learned from it. But so you get to Albright now. Tell me, what is that transition from playing high school football to now college football?
1: This uh so you know everybody talks about the speed of the game and how it changes when you go from one level to the other and that's 100% like true like <clears throat> not just is everybody physically faster but the the rate at which things happen on the field is faster and that's really what they mean by the speed of the game there's a lot more that you have to internalize and think about and kind of diagnose on the fly going from high school to college and then you know, I never went from college to professional, but they say it's even more dramatic then. But uh, so I get to college and trying to learn, you know, all these new things and getting used to basically being a full-time athlete because now you have meetings every single day. You've got practice lifting. Like the, the time requirements go through the roof, and the amount of learning and, and information is, you know, Exponentially higher than it was when you're in, in college. So trying to learn and, and grow and, and figure all that stuff out on the fly is very, very challenging when you first get there. So then, um, on top of that, this is a very unique experience to me. So through grade school, so I started playing, I think I played seven years in grade school, um, if I have that math correct, it was six or seven years. I lost in those six or seven years, a total of four games.
0: Oh, my God. Um,
1: Yeah. So then in high school, as a starter, um, I lost a total of one game. (laughs) So I've lost five games in my entire life going into college. And uh, playing at Albright, we I forget exactly what it was, but we did not have a good year. We lost most of our games that year. That's and that hard. was something that I was – uh, oh, my God. I mean, you can't even – like, so I was so unprepared for loss. Like, I, I can very vividly remember every time that I lost in grade school or high school, it was such a crushing thing. Like, me and my friends would cry after the games that we lost. Like, my senior year of high school, we only lost one game, but it ended our season, so, you know, we cried. Mm-hmm. Like, grade school – when we lost, it was generally in the Super Bowl. We, we'd cry. Like, and so it is such a dramatic shift to now I'm in college and we are losing weekly. And it didn't really feel like there was a lot of emotion behind it. Like there, people didn't seem to really care the same way that I cared. Like mm. to me, losing is unacceptable. I, I, I will never be okay with losing anything i'm extremely competitive in absolutely everything i do from board games to sports like my family and i we get into like shouting matches over board games like it's crazy (laughs) but I, i have i just have to win i just have this need to win everything and being at a school where we're losing most of the time and not feeling like other people cared the same way that i cared was a very dramatic and weird uh experience for me like so that transition was way harder than anything on the field you know any of the speed of the game or the learning like I cared about the game enough that I was willing to put in the hours to figure all that stuff out but it was that transition of feeling like I was on a team that accepted loss that I couldn't stomach Mm. that I couldn't like I just I couldn't come to grips with and it kind of killed my uh my spirit for the game for a little while oh, wow. um, until I decided to transfer to Bloomsburg and get out of that situation. And that's uh, honestly the reason that I left all right was because of that, because I, I could not be okay with losing. I I couldn't.
0: I okay. All right. That makes sense. You want to win. You want to be at a winning program and at least be with other players <laughs> that care as much as you do when losses do happen.
1: Right, because it's inevitable, like you're going to lose, Mm -hmm. but there's a difference between accepting the loss and saying, I am not letting that happen again.
0: For sure, absolutely. Now, Bloomsburg is a Division II school, so you move up a division. It's in the Pennsylvania State Athletic Conference, and historically, they've had a really good football team. I mean, Jari Evans, who won a Super Bowl with the New New Orleans Saints, played there. It's a pretty good program.
1: Yeah, it was a very good program and that was part of the reason that I chose to go there. Um so I had a couple friends who who went to Bloomsburg at the time and so I had a little safety net of knowing people if I transferred in and, and then on top of that, like you said, like they have a good history of being competitive. You know, they're not always going to be the best, but they're at least competitive and it, it really felt like they cared about winning and it was part of their culture was winning, you know? And so when I chose a football, a a new school to transfer to football was completely in my mind when I made that transfer, like I'm going somewhere where I'm going to reinvigorate that passion for the game. And I'm going to find that love again for competing and for winning. And so Bloomsburg's kind of pedigree up to that point led me to believe that they would be a good fit for me.
0: Gotcha. And it's also a bigger school than (laughs) Albright is. So you do get a little bit more of a social life there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Albert is a very small school. I think there was when I was there my uh, freshman year, I think there was like 2000 kids total in the wow. entire school. Um, and then Bloomsburg was around 12,000 or so. So it was a, a pretty big shift um, going from a very small liberal arts college to a, a public state school like Bloomsburg.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. That is definitely different. Now, <clears throat> how was it joining the team as a transfer? You, were you like accepted right away or was it kind of hard at first?
1: Uh, it's definitely hard, um, much harder than if you come in with a freshman class that got recruited. Uh, so before I even transferred schools, I actually contacted uh, one of the coaches who would have been my position coach at the time. Um, by the time I got there, he was actually the defensive coordinator. But when I contacted him, he was just the uh, defensive backs coach. And um, I let him know that I was planning on transferring there and I, I wanted some information on what the walk-on process was because um, I didn't really talk much with Division II schools during the recruiting process, because I thought that 1AA was where I was going to end up. Um, so I didn't I didn't really have any connections anywhere, and so I just called this coach up and talked to him, and he kind of gave me the rundown, and he was like, look, I don't want to, you know, lie to you or, or lead you on. Like, the walk-on process is very few and far between. There are very few kids, like we get a ton of kids every year who try to walk on, and it's very few and far between that actually make the team um and uh, you know i thanked him for that like i'm always somebody who prefers honesty than trying to tell me what i want to hear well, like for i sure would your prefer that you just... true. exactly right and so <laughs> it, it it bothers me a lot when i feel like people are just trying to tell me what i want to hear like i would much rather you give me the realistic answer tell me the truth and then let me decide what to do with it you know oh 100% and so i i respected this coach a lot for for doing that and i said you know that's absolutely fine. Like you're, that's not going to stop me from trying. Um, I appreciate you letting me know, but I'm going out there. I'm going to give everything I have and if it's not enough, it's not enough, but like, this is, this is what I'm coming here for. Um, and so he, you know, we kept in touch, uh, once I transferred in, I had to wait until the spring to, uh, to walk on. So I kept in touch with him during the football season. And then once the spring came along, I started the walk-on process. And kind of like what you had mentioned, um, it is, there's definitely a stigma, um, behind walking on at a, at least in like a division two school, if you're a division one and you transfer and you walk on somewhere, generally you're a pretty good athlete at division two. Um, there's a bit of a stigma of walk on athletes because you would get a very broad spectrum of people who are trying to walk on, like, you know, kids who haven't really played football before, then you have some that are excellent athletes. And so like, being a walk-on and not a recruit, uh, you start off with not a ton of respect from your peers because they're used to people trying to walk on every year and then not making the team and then that's the last they ever hear from them. So it's you know, it's understandable, uh, and it's kind of one of those things where you have to earn that respect and you have to earn um, pretty much everything that you get in that process because you start off at the absolute bottom of the totem pole. And so – you know, another thing that I would say to people who are considering transferring, like, just understand what you're getting into because this other school doesn't know anything about you. The players know nothing about you, and you have to prove and earn everything that you, you want. Um, and that was basically what I did the entire spring was, uh, you know, go out there, and, and I had to basically give everything that I had all the time. Wow. And, um, yeah, it's, it's tough because then uh, you, you don't really have the luxury of getting injured. You know, like you can't take time off for injuries because if you take time off, basically you don't make the team. Um, I I remember one of the practices, and I still actually have this injury to this day, um, uh, wide receiver's going across the middle, and I was coming the opposite way. I went to deflect the pass, and my middle finger got stuck in his um, face mask, and it dislocated the the middle joint of my middle finger. Um, And so I kind of had to just pop it back into place, tape it up, and finish the rest of the spring with it. Like, I didn't, didn't have time to take off and get it fixed, you know, because yeah. I'm sitting here trying to make the team. And it's, it's like, it was just a crazy uh, crazy experience. But, again, it was one of those things where I had to earn it and I had to give everything that I had, and it made it that much more valuable to me at the end of the spring when the coaches came up to me and they're like, yeah, we, we, we want you to come back in the fall. We want you to come to training camp. You've made the team.
2: Oh, that's So awesome. it was a
1: very – Oh, yeah. It was such a great feeling, you know, and, and keeping in contact with that coach the whole process through and be like, hey, you know, I just I want you to be honest with me. Like, if this is something that I'm wasting my time, let me know. But I'm, I'm coming out here every day because I want to be on this team. Like, I want to contribute. I want to help. I believe that I can contribute and I can help. And so by the time that I was done, I mean, I think there was 20, 26 people who walked on that, including myself, that uh, spring. And there were only two of us that made the team.
0: Wow, it's amazing.
1: Yeah, it was a very good experience.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it. And you definitely earned that respect from your future teammates because you, you know, played hard, you played through an injury. I'm sure they appreciated that.
1: Yeah, so that, um, so our very first spring game, um, I had two interceptions uh, in that game. And I think that was when, like, perception kind of changed with the, the players around me, specifically on the defense, like the players that I was a, around all the time. Um, mm-hmm. I remember a very big shift uh, once that happened of kids like, oh, all right, this, this kid can actually play, this kid can ball. <laughs> um, and once that happened, once I got that respect from people, um, you know, once I earned it, that's when things changed and that's when it, it became a really enjoyable, fun experience.
0: Oh, that's great. Now, 2012 is your first season with Bloomsburg, but you get injured, so you aren't able to play that season. Can you talk about what happened?
1: Yeah. So, uh, going into the season, I was feeling excellent. Like my, my body was in great shape. Um, my, my spirit was through the roof, like I just made the team. I'd worked really hard for something that, that had paid off and I was really excited to get, um, onto the field. And, uh, we're going through training camp, and things are going well for the first couple of days. The very first day of full padded practice, so I think we were maybe five days into training camp at this point, point. and um, <clears throat> we were doing uh, seven on seven, so just, just passing drills. I was covering a receiver. He goes on a go route down the sideline, and um, quarterback throws it, and as me and him go up for the pass, my arm kind of get stuck behind his body, and so as we fall to the ground, um, my, the way my body landed, my body went to the right, but it was my left arm was behind him. It couldn't come with me, and all I remember is this sickening, like, clunk, clunk sound, Ugh. and I, I didn't know what it was, and I, I was, like, kind of, I was, like, freaking, I was panicking in my mind because I didn't know what that sound was, but it, it was... Something I'd never heard before, and I went to push off the ground, and I didn't push up. I kind of like pushed to the side a little, and I looked over, and my left arm was, my hand was facing upside down. It was facing upwards.
2: Oh my god! Um,
1: so I had completely dislocated my elbow. Um, Gosh. The yeah, so the bottom, um, the humerus, and then. I don't know what the, the bottom one was, but they had come completely dislodged. I didn't tear any ligaments, luckily, but uh, basically the bottom half of my arm was not connected to the top half of my arm. Oof. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I the, – the training staff came over, and I was you know, panicking, and, like, all of a sudden, all this pain just, like – as soon as I saw it, that's when the pain hit me, mm-hmm. and I was screaming. I mean, it was the most – agonizing thing i've ever you know gone through to this point in my life oh, I can imagine. and um yeah and so they came over and the very first thing they said is he doesn't have a pulse in his hand we've got to get into the hospital now and like the last thing that you want to hear when you're in agonizing pain is that sentence and yeah. so now i'm like freaking out um luckily there was a state trooper uh who was at our practice who was able to take me to the er immediately so we didn't have to wait for um An ambulance to come get me they would take me to the ER and uh they put me under conscious sedation and they put my arm back in place and luckily once it was back in place like blood flow came back so I didn't end up losing anything which I was very very scared of when they first said that
0: yeah yeah absolutely but
1: uh yeah so that that was the start of my career at Bloomsburg the very first day of padded practice I have a career well not career uh season-ending injury um and that was really tough, really tough, and especially because a lot of – I shouldn't say a lot. What, the doctor that I talked to was like, hey, you need to know that there's a potential that you it doesn't heal the right way because they wanted to do it without surgery. Mm. Um, so because I didn't tear any uh, ligaments, they wanted to just put it back in place and hope that it healed. And they said, just so you know, like, there's a potential that you won't be able to play football again if this thing doesn't heal the right way. And so that like – Again, just insult to injury, the last thing that I want to hear. And yeah. that that whole offseason, that's all I thought about was, you know, doing whatever it took to get back on the field. And I was absolutely determined. I'm like, I'm going to do my PT every day to the best of my ability. Like, I'm working out everything that I possibly can. Like, I will get back on the field. Um, and so that was my first season was basically just trying to get back to walking on again in the spring, essentially.
0: Yeah. Uh, so you have to start that process all over again.
1: I did have to start that process all over again because then I, I, you know, I not only had to convince myself, but I had to convince my coaches that I could still play and like, mm-hmm. that everything was okay once I got back onto the field again. And so that was, uh, that was rough, um, yeah. especially being on the sideline in a sling for a lot of the season and kind of watching, watching the team, watching the players, and not being able to contribute or help um, was difficult for me.
0: Yeah, especially for a competitive guy like you. I can't imagine. Yeah. So 2013, you make the team in the spring. So you went through that whole process, works out again. So now you're, I guess, a redshirt sophomore for 2013, and you're able to get on the field. How was your arm, though, and your elbow?
1: So there were some residual issues um, with the elbow. It wasn't a hundred percent um structurally sound um there were a couple times where i would you know go in for a tackle um or if somebody would kind of land on the arm it would go to hyperextend a little it didn't have a lot of structural integrity uh in that hyperextension position so once my arm was completely locked out if there was any force kind of pushed um on the elbow there it would be excruciatingly painful. Um, And so I had to tape the arm, uh, the elbow every single game um, and every single practice basically to keep it from hitting full extension. So my arm um, during practice and games was at a constant, like instead of a full 180 degree line, maybe let's call it 170 degrees just to keep that kind of extra support from it locking out and running into issues. Uh, um, so if stressful. you think about, you know, you mentioned Rob Gronkowski earlier with that that giant um, kind of brace that he would wear on his elbow. So mm-hmm. it's essentially the same thing, except without a brace, it was just with tape. Um, so I had to play the whole season that way, and it was extremely uncomfortable, but it was basically the only way that I could keep going out there and, you know, going 100% and not worrying about injuring that elbow again.
0: Okay. Yeah, well, you're able to play. You actually play in 11 games. Bloomberg, Bloomsburg goes 10-2, and two, so it's a really great season. You make 16 mm-hmm. tackles on the year, and you actually had six tackles in one game and a really big win over Millersville. I'm sure you remember that game.
1: Absolutely, I do. That was, um, so I was the second string uh, of corner. I didn't start um, throughout the year, but I was on special teams, and that's where a lot of my tackles ended up coming in. But uh, Millersville, we got up very early on until so we put our second-team defense in, and I got to play the entire second half. And um, that was a really, really fun time for me because I am I consider myself one of those game-time players. Like, when the lights are on, when the cameras are rolling, like, that's kind of when I shine, and that's that's when I get to show what I'm really capable of. And in that game, for some reason, they just kept coming to my side, and, like, it was just – it seemed like, you know, play after play after play, they're announcing my name and my number on the, on the, the, um, the announcements and like, it just made me feel really good because they kept testing and kept coming my side and like play after play, I was just shutting it down. And it it was, you know, by far the best game that I ended up having in my college career. And it absolutely, absolutely stands out in my mind. Definitely the most memorable game that I have for sure.
0: Yeah. it's awesome. Bloomsburg wins the PSAC championship in 2013 against Slippery Rock. You guys win 42-38, to 38, so it's a very exciting game. Can you describe it?
1: Oh, my God. Yeah, that game was insane. It was back and forth the entire time. Um, and Slippery Rock was uh, an incredible, incredible team. Like they, were, they, they deserved to be in the championship the same way that we did. And um, I remember there were a couple points in that game where we were down – and things didn't look great. And then all of a sudden there'd be this huge momentum swing and then we'd get back up and then, you know, we're riding high. And then again, another, you know, momentum swing, whether it was a turnover or just a three and out, you know, whatever it was, like there was multiple momentum swings in this game, multiple changes of the lead. uh, And it it basically came down to the very end of the game. And I think we uh, actually sealed the game on an interception, which uh, like they were driving, um, driving towards the end zone, and they ended up, one of our corners made a really great play on the ball, picked it off, uh, slid down, and the game was over. And, like, it was nuts. Like, uh, we flooded the field, you know, so much emotion. Like, we were, everybody was going crazy. It was an amazing, amazing championship game, and it really lived up to, you know, that excitement. And the score doesn't even tell you how close and how exciting that game really was.
0: Yeah, uh, I love games that end on a great defensive play
1: it's very nerve-wracking when you're only up by, you know, 6 points and they're driving down the field and there's, you know, maybe less than a minute left like oof your heart's beating out of your chest during, at that <laughs> point and uh for for it to come down to that and, and to get a this clutch interception to end the game like it was oh it was awesome absolutely amazing I, and we I still have the uh state championship ring actually I'm looking at it right now it's right in That's front of me nice. um cherish that thing so, so much, because that's the first, like, real championship I ever won in my football career.
0: Yeah, and it's a big one.
1: Yes, it's a very nice ring.
0: <laughs> you guys then go on to the Division Two playoffs, where, unfortunately, you do lose in the first round to Westchester. You lose 40-38, to 38, so that must have been a heartbreaker, such a close game.
1: Yeah, it actually is a, a lot like the Slippery Rock game, where there was very, very close a lot of changes, um, of the lead and, you know, very exciting game. And unfortunately it just, if I remember correctly, that one came down to the wire as well. I don't quite remember that one as much as the slippery rock game. Um, but that, that was another really, really close one with a lot of exciting, you know, changes and swings and, and momentum. And unfortunately for that one, we came out on the wrong end of it.
0: Yeah. It's a bummer way to end a really great season for Bloomsburg.
1: Yeah. We, uh, we had our sights set on the division two, uh, national championship that year.
0: Yeah. Bummer. So anyway, you stopped playing football after that 2013 season. Now, why did you make that decision? Was it because of your elbow?
1: Uh, it was because of the elbow. Um, so basically the entire season, um, I played in a good amount of pain. Um, and, it was kind of just managing that pain. And like I said, taping the elbow to the point where I at least felt comfortable going in for tackles. Uh, like it wasn't going to dislocate again, but, um, you know, every single day of practice, every single game, like it it was, it was pain day in and day out. And, um, when the season was over, I had to take a really long, hard look at my future, the rest of my life and, I talked with my dad, you know, would it really be worth it um, to continue playing and potentially cause long-term permanent damage to the elbow and to the arm for, you know, another season or two of football. Mm-hmm. And um, very, very difficult decision because I, you know, it's just coming off of an incredible year, um, winning a, a, the PSAC championship, our conference championship, like the – awesome, awesome season, you know, all the highs, the the energy, like my love for football was back and it was stronger than ever. Um, and having to weigh that with the pain that I went through day in and day out and like just the uncertainty of what my elbow would be like moving forward. Um, and I took as long as I could making that decision, uh, until finally I decided that, you know, it was not worth the potential risk to my long-term health uh, to play another season.
0: I think that's a very mature decision for someone of your age. What were you, 20, 21 at that point to make your, looking more at your future. And, you know, you want to one day, if you want to have kids, if that's in your future, you want to be able to have a catch with your son or daughter. And obviously if your elbow is more screwed up, you're not going to be able to do that.
1: Right. And it's, you know, it was very, very hard because I didn't really care. You know, it's hard to look into the future when you're young. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and all I could really think about was that that passion and that excitement that I get from football. But, you know, like you said, and my, my dad was very helpful in that because he has a lot of um, injuries that he played through through his baseball career that still kind of plague him to this day. And he basically said the same thing that you did. He's like, you know, you don't want one more season to cost you these experiences later in life that you're really going to value. And basically when you're playing football and you have to make tackles with that arm, every single time that you, you hit somebody, you know, I I had no idea what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. And the the constant pain through the season just led me to believe that it it wasn't something that was going to get better, you know? And so I had to make that decision for the future. And luckily I I had a, a dad who went through all that who had an athletic career of his own and could kind of help guide me in that way.
0: Oh, that's great. Now, how was it for you being a normal college student for the next year?
1: Oh, that was, that was really weird. All of a sudden I had all this free time and I didn't know what (laughs) to do with it. (laughs) Um, You know, I was used to meetings all day, practicing all the time, games, film study. And then even in the spring, like, you know, workouts and, and, Now, I had no real responsibilities other than going to class, and um, it was a a really big paradigm shift in my life where I kind of didn't really know what to do for a little while because that was my identity for so long, was being an athlete, was being a football player, and uh, not having that anymore was really, really weird, Um, and it, it caused some difficulties in my life, just, you know, not really being sure what the next step was because football was the next step for so long, you know, basically yeah. as long as, since I could start playing sports, like football was always the next step. And that caused uh, a lot of turmoil in my life, you know, the last year or two of college, like trying to figure out like, you know, what's next.
0: Yeah. It's hard when you work so hard for one thing, your whole life and all of a sudden it's over, you have to find that new path and that can take some time.
1: Yeah. and You know, one of the, the Problems with football is if you don't play after college, you're, it's, you know, football's pretty much over. There's mm-hmm. the Canadian Football League, there's arena football, but other than that, like, there really aren't a lot of recreational football leagues. There's flag football, it's not exactly the same, but um, it's not like some of these other sports that you can play for the rest of your life, like, when football's over, it's kind of just over.
0: Yeah, no, that's true, you're right. Yeah, because there's not really adult leagues for football. I mean, oh, my God, can you imagine the injuries that would happen there?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. And so that was, uh, you know, it was a a what's next kind of a moment for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, you do find your path. You do figure out what is next. We'll talk about now your CrossFit and uh, Florida grid career. Did you get into CrossFit when you were still in college, or did this happen afterwards?
1: This happened afterwards. Okay. Um, so I I took a break from athletics for a little while. I continued working out because it's kind of just what I knew. Um, it's what I've been doing my entire life. But I stopped working out really for a goal, and I kind of just started working out to work out because uh, it, was, it was what I knew. And did that um, through the end of college, and then the next two years after I graduated college, uh, and it, it wasn't the same, like I'm the kind of person that needs a goal. Like I need something to be working towards at all times and not having that, um, was very difficult for me. It was very hard to find motivation in anything when I wasn't working towards something. And, um, I moved to Florida, uh, after I graduated college. And then I was down here working a computer, um, uh, software development job for a year, and I met somebody who had an idea to start a company, and they wanted to go out to Colorado for uh, a three-month um, tech accelerator program to kind of help get startup businesses off the ground. So I went out there with him to do this accelerator program, and out there is actually when I did CrossFit for the first time. Hmm. There was a um, another team there who would talk about doing CrossFit all the time, and me and my other team member would just go to the gym and lift normally. And there's kind of the stigma between normal lifting and, and crossfitters. And so we would clash about, uh, we'd like, you know, joke with each other and like razz on each other a lot. And uh, they would always say, uh, hey, come to the crossfit class. Like, I bet you can't keep up. Like, you know, we'll, we'll crush you in that. And me being the competitive person that I am, I just believe like, all right, I'm, a, I'm in great shape. Like, whatever. We'll, I'll go smash these guys. I'll go to class one time. Once I beat them, i never have to do it again. And, uh, so I was 25 at the time and these guys were in their uh, early forties and I went to a CrossFit class and they smoked me. I had no cardio to speak of whatsoever and they just absolutely demolished me. And all of a sudden this, like that fire inside of me just exploded again. Like I, I had, I had a goal now. And it was beat these 40 year old dudes that I just lost (laughs) to in a workout. Like I could not, I couldn't even wrap my head around what had happened. Yeah, I was like, you know what? Fine. I'll go back again. So I went back (laughs) again and then I went back again and I very quickly found that excitement for this competitive working out is essentially what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's a competition. Like there's a winner and a loser. And I, need a winner and a loser you know yeah so it just worked out it just worked out perfectly that that's what CrossFit was and so now I'm already lifting why not do it as heavy and as fast as possible and that's kind of how my
0: CrossFit career started okay now you've gone on to compete in CrossFit competitions right not just like the gym competitions you were in but real big competitions that that sounded weird you know what I'm trying to say (laughs)
1: Yeah, 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 I know what you're saying. So, uh, yeah, you're you're right. So, CrossFit has um its own Super Bowl. It's called the CrossFit Games. And um once I found out what CrossFit was, I started looking into it more and I found out that they have their own championship and they crown a winner every year. And so, me being the competitive person that I I am, I instantly said, "Okay, if there is a winner at the end of the year, there's a, a worldwide winner, I I need to be that person. Like this is now my new goal. I I have to be the fittest, strongest person in the world. Um, so that, that was where I set my sights. and That's where I started. And, uh, I had been working out, I started working out at, at the gym. Um, when I got back to South Florida, uh, a gym very close to me. And after a couple years of putting in, um, a lot of hours and a lot of work to kind of get more acclimated to CrossFit style, I started doing some competitions and, um, The largest one that I've competed in so far is called uh, Wadapalooza. It actually happens down in Miami. Hmm. It's a a worldwide competition that gets some of the biggest names in CrossFit every single year. And um, I've actually gone there and competed in that competition twice now. And so that's a very – it's a qualifier only, um, so you can't just sign up and go. It's not like a local competition that just accepts everybody. Like they do an online qualifier and you have to be the top – you know, a certain percentage to actually qualify and go. And I've now made, um, qualified to go there twice. And so that's uh, the biggest competition that I've currently been to.
0: Oh, that's very exciting. Now, how did you fare in the competition? Uh,
1: so that was actually my first real competition, the, the first time that I did it. Um, I had I'd never done anything besides like just in, in gym competitions against the people that I see every single day and uh it was a huge huge change and shift like all of a sudden I had that those butterflies in my stomach again you know like the way that I used to feel right before kickoff of a football game I had that before these workouts at this competition and I'm competing against people I'd never met I'd never seen before I had no idea what they were capable of and um with it being such a large competition and it being my first one, I was very overwhelmed on the first day. Like I, I actually did terrible on the first day. This uh, this competition is a three day thing. It's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and uh, we had three workouts on Friday. And I there were thirty people in my division, and I was the bottom five for all three workouts. Like oh, I wow. just choked. Yeah, I choked. It was it was really really rough. I was nervous. Like my stomach was unsettled the entire day. Uh, and I was feeling really down, and um, luckily I have a really good support system between my family and the people at the gym, and a lot of people reached out to me that night, talked to some family members that night, and, um, you know, the, the overwhelming message was you deserve to be here. Um, like, you you earned being here. You just have to show it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you just have to do what you're capable of doing. Don't let anything else get in your way. Don't worry about, you know, being nervous, like just go out there and do what you do. And, um, so the next two days we had four workouts, uh, two on Saturday, two on Sunday and all four of those, I was in at least the top 15 and I had two top 10 finishes then oh great! once I kind of, yeah, like I, it just really took those, like getting those nerves out of my system, you know, like mm-hmm. getting that, that innate confidence back. Cause I did not have it on the first day. You know, I felt like I didn't, didn't deserve to be there. I feel like I didn't belong there that first day. Um,
0: okay. You obviously proved that wrong cal- in the next two days.
1: Right, right. Like once I once I calmed down, once I got that confidence back, and I got back inside my own head and really, you know, focused on just being the best that I could be. Um, then I, I finally showed, like, all right, yeah, I do belong here. Like, this is, I, I can compete with these guys. Like, you know, they're not, they're not that much better than me. Like, I. I'm right there with everybody, and so that was that was my experience the first year, uh, and I actually fared very very well um, for that being my first ever competition. Yeah. Then sure. uh, actually, so this this past year, um, I competed at Waterloo. So luckily, this happened right before everything kind of shut down in March, so this was like early February.
0: Oh, okay. And That's um, I we got it in.
1: Yeah, so I went with a a team this past year, and we. We're, we were supposed to be in uh, the intermediate division, which is um, one below, it's called RX, which is like the uh, the, the really good people, um, and we found out three days before the competition that they didn't have enough people to fill the RX division, and they were going to bump us up, but they didn't tell us about it, so we hadn't practiced for any of like the, the RX workouts, which are heavier, more difficult movements and um we came in i think when we got like filled in like in, in, we were like 98th uh spot to start and we ended up finishing the weekend in ninth place out of 100 teams so wow. we absolutely crushed it last That's year amazing. i had an am- am- yeah we had an amazing team like another one of those situations where like when we first got there we we're like you know we don't really belong in this division and then after a couple workouts we we're like oh no, no, we belong here. Like, we, we got these guys. We, we, we can compete with, with these people, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Now, what's going on with the 2021 competition? Is it still going to happen? Has COVID canceled it? Is it up in the air?
1: Uh, we actually just found out last week that they canceled it for this year.
0: Ah, uh, that stinks.
1: Unfortunately, yeah.
0: Bummer, yeah. But
1: luckily, so the, the CrossFit Games has a um, – a multi-stage progression to get to it. And, uh, the first two stages are both online. So that's perfectly still in order. And that's going to start, uh, in the beginning of March. So that will be the first, the first stage is called the, uh, CrossFit open. And that's when basically everybody in the world can sign up and they can do these workouts, um, that are posted online. You submit a video and your score. And then if you're in the top, you know, whatever percentage you go on to the next step. And so that's, Kind of what's next for me this year, since Wadapalooza is canceled, is going to be that open and trying to make it to the quarters and then maybe even the semifinals for the CrossFit Games.
0: Okay, good. So at least you have something to work towards this year.
1: Yes, that's coming up in a little less than two months.
0: Awesome. Now, another sport you're involved in is Florida Grid League. Can you describe what that is and how you got involved in it?
1: Yeah, so this is another <laughs> really interesting, funny story. Um, so, grid is uh, very similar to CrossFit, where it is um, very fast exercising, um, you know, lifting really heavy stuff quickly, doing a lot of gymnastic movements. Um, it's a head-to-head, team versus team um, style competition, and with this, you generally have close to you know 12 14 people on a team so you have a lot of people that is a lot of moving parts and you're switching people on and off to kind of keep workouts going as fast as possible and it's a, a very different atmosphere than a general crossfit because crossfit is a lot of times about sustained output like being able to work out really really hard for a long period of time to keep moving whereas grid is like everything has to be 100 percent as fast as possible it's like you sprint to get this one exercise done. If you lift a heavyweight really hard a couple of times, then you sprint off the court. Somebody else comes on for the next movement, and you kind of work your way down the, the lane against this other team. It's head-to-head with a couple of different matches uh, to determine a winner. And GRID is actually uh, – so there, there's a GRID league, which is a professional league. Um, they're uh, professional uh, paid athletes that do GRID. And um, I'm currently competing in the Florida Grid League, which is just for local in the South Florida area. Um, And the way that I actually got involved with that, uh, so my first season ever was just this past December. Um, One of the girls at my gym is the coach and then also an athlete for the Grid League, the Fort Fort Lauderdale Lions. And um, she has competed in the professional Grid League. Uh, She was part of the Boston Iron Um, I believe. But uh, now she just competes like for the local one and she's mainly just a coach and she'll fill in when she is able to help for stuff. But she's been asking me to join the team for a couple years now. And I've always told her no. Like I felt like the risk of injury was too high um, based on the style of everything being 100% as fast as possible. And my ultimate goal was the CrossFit Games and I didn't want to jeopardize that. Um, so I've been telling her no for a couple of years and every year she, she, you know, kind of get on my back about it and like, you'd be really good at it. You'd be really good. And I was like, ah, you know, it's, it's just not, it's just not worth it. But um, back in December, they, so normally they have a full season and they'll have a couple matches like every other weekend for a couple of months. And then they'll have, they'll whittle it down to the playoffs. But this year with everything going on, they weren't able to have a season. So what they finally came up with was they were going to do a double elimination tournament over the weekend um, for all eight teams in the South Florida area and last man standing wins the whole season. So very different this year and it was very last minute as well. And unfortunately because of that, some of the members of the team weren't able to compete. And two days before the grid championship started, um, this girl came up to me again and she goes, Hey, we need you. We we don't have enough people. Another guy just dropped out. We're short. She's like, I, I need you. And I, I don't like letting my friends down. Um, and it, it's you know, really important to me to kind of be there for people who have supported me. So mm-hmm. I said, you know what? Okay. Uh, I'm in just tell me what to do. Like, I, I don't know any of the rules. I don't know, you know, the, the transitions. Like there, there's a lot of semantics of like, you have to face the right way. Uh, you have to like be in a certain quadrant when you're doing this specific exercise or when, if you're some of the races, you have a teammate out with you, you have to be in a certain quadrant while they're doing their thing. I didn't know any of that. Like, I had never practiced any of the transitions, nothing. And um, we didn't have time really to practice. It was two days before the championship. And I said, listen, just tell me what I need to do and I'll go out there and do it. Uh, and like, don't, don't ask me if I'm able to do something. No, I'd like, just tell me, like, this is the exercise. I need to do it this many times as fast as possible. And I'll get it done. Um, and that's how I started playing grid. And uh, we actually won the championship this year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Your first time out, you win a championship. Amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, we we ended up winning the that tournament that year, and so we won the the twenty twenty grid Florida Grid League championship with the Fort Lauderdale Lions. Oh, first so first ever season doing it.
0: <laughs> hey, can I, I? I was gonna say. I mean, you now you, you've cut, have you hit your peak? Is there anywhere else to go? But I'm sure you will figure it out.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, there's always a second championship that can be won, right?
0: That is true. That is true. No, it actually what you described it as, and I didn't know about it until I talked to you and knew that you were involved in it. It sounds like a really fun competition to watch.
1: Oh, it's very, very exciting because of the speed of what's happening. Like you're watching people. Lift weights that you can't really like wrap your head around at the time so quickly or like these gymnastic movements that are so intense and you're watching people just fly through them and it's head to head i mean you are like literally separated from another team by a couple of feet down a lane and you're doing these things right next to each other and so you can see them out of the corner of your eye the entire time the the fans are right up against the lane's um this past the tournament was streamed this past uh year and you know people like it, it's so exciting cuz it's so fast paced and you're watching people do these incredible things you know so so quickly it's really really exciting sport to watch
0: yeah looks like it now tell me this how does your elbow hold up with crossfit and grid
1: so luckily my elbow has actually gotten more structurally sound um, over the years. Uh, so the more that I work out and the more that I kind of test it and I, I, put it into, um, these positions like overhead with a barbell and the more that I'm strengthening the rest of my body, the better my elbow is responding. Oh, uh, and that, yeah, that kind of reinforces my decision that stopping playing football when I did was the right call because, the things that I'm doing right now, I could never have imagined doing the way my elbow felt back then.
2: Mm,
1: And it it feels like I made the right decision to stop when I did. Uh, I took a couple years off from doing anything really intense. And I feel like that helped my elbow kind of recover from that extra stress that I put on it from football. And then just really taking care of my body and, you know, putting it through these stressors in a proper way and being smart about it and, and really trying to grow Um, all the the muscles around and strengthen the rest of my body, like my elbow has responded very, very well. Now, it's something that I was nervous about because um, CrossFit and GRID do a lot of overhead work where you're putting very heavy barbells over your head, like, you know, over 300 pounds over your head and having to lock your elbows out very aggressively with Olympic uh, lifting. Mm -hmm. And it was something that I was nervous of in the beginning and the way that my body and my elbow has responded has give me a lot of confidence to where i don't even think about it anymore
0: oh that's so great to hear and you're right like if you had played that another season of football it might have been damaged beyond repair to now you know today's world you can't do what you're doing with CrossFit and grid
1: exactly and i you know worst case scenario like i very easily could have gone out there dislocated it again but the second time torn ligaments and then Mm -hmm. had to get surgery and then you know, once that happens, you don't, you have no idea how much range of motion you'll get back. You have no idea if it's going to heal back structurally sound, if you're going to have strength in it, you know, and it, it was just such a, such a coin flip, um, uh, basically of the rest of my life that I was just not willing to take. And yeah. I, I, I am so happy that again, I, I had people like my dad to talk to. And like, I had that, the people to bounce ideas off of and kind of really put the whole thing into perspective. And now I'm able to do something that I love again. And I have that passion and fire for competition that I don't have to worry about that injury anymore because I was smart and, and chose to walk away at the right time instead of holding on to the very last second, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, it truly is a great story. Now I know you I you're... think so. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yes, for sure. Now, I know you're trying to break into the professional ranks. Are you trying that more for CrossFit or grid? Or are you trying to beat the odds and be professional in both?
1: So I, I do think you could be pro- professional in both. Uh, I, I definitely do. My, my main focus, my main priority is the CrossFit world. I want to win the CrossFit Games. I want to be crowned the fittest man on earth. Um, I want to be you know, literally the best in the world at something. And so CrossFit being an individual sport is a little bit more appealing to me in that regard because it's like, it's all on me. Either I put the work in or I did not. Either I wanted it enough or I did not, you know.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, And
1: I I very much would love that individual glory of winning the CrossFit Games. Um, But I definitely think that you can be professional in both because the the crossover – um, Between the two is so high, like I think that you can definitely do both of them. And if the opportunity to go professional in grid arises, I'll absolutely take that for sure because it's something that you know I had I I put off and I, I didn't want to do. But then as soon as I did it, I I noticed how much fun it was, and I realized like you know it, it suits me very well because I you know playing football my whole career. I train to be really, really fast, you know, to move as fast as possible. And that's exactly what grid is. And it suits me very well, being able to go out there and just go as hard as possible for 10, 15 seconds, move as fast as you can and then get off. And um, so, you know, if if the opportunity arises, I'm definitely not turning down professional grid, but uh, right now my ultimate goal is the CrossFit games. And I would love to go professional there and uh, turn that into a career for as long as my body is able to.
0: Nice, nice. Well, just talking to you, I wouldn't be surprised if you somehow become professional in both. Seems like you have a great head on your shoulders, and you just work hard.
1: I appreciate it, Bridget. And uh, if I do go professional, I will give you a complimentary another interview down the road. Yes. that? Yes.
0: That would be great. <laughs> also, give me tickets to the CrossFit Games. That would be fun.
1: Yeah, for sure. I'll get you in there.
0: Awesome. Well, Brandon, I have really enjoyed this conversation. I like to end the podcast with a couple of fun questions. How does that sound to you?
1: That sounds perfect. Let's do it.
0: All right. What TV show are you currently binge watching?
1: Oh, TV show right now, uh, Supernatural.
0: Oh, God, doesn't that have like a million seasons?
1: Yeah, I think uh, they have... It's either 15 or 16 seasons, and there are about 21 episodes a season, and every episode's an hour long.
0: Oh, so you'll be watching that for a while.
1: I'm actually on the 15th season now. I've been watching that show for about 15 years now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, look at you. Nice. Yeah, I
1: I love that show. It's an excellent, excellent show.
0: Yeah, you know, I never got into it, and 16 seasons to me seems daunting. But hey, we're still in quarantine, so who knows? Maybe that'll be another show I watch.
1: Oh, if you've got time to kill and you're looking for something that you can just sit down for hours and hours and hours, Supernatural is the way to go.
0: All right, all right, good to know. <laughs> all right, next question. What's the most embarrassing song on your phone?
1: Embarrassing song. Um, I mean, frankly, I'm not embarrassed about any of the songs on my phone. If they are on my phone, they're there for a reason. But, <laughs> okay, uh, I i like say probably... Either Backstreet Boys or Britney Spears. Like, I'm a, I'm a sucker for late 90s, early 2000s pop. I mean, that, that just, it gets me moving. It gets me in a good mood. Like, I get excited. My, one of my go-to Pandora stations is Insync uh, Radio. So <laughs> I'd probably have to go with one of those three.
0: I love it. I don't think that's embarrassing at all.
1: Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm all about it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, Brandon, last question. If you could have dinner with one person, living or dead, who would it be?
1: Oh, man.
2: This is a tough one. Let's see here. Actually, you know what? I make Elon Musk.
0: He's an interesting guy.
1: So I've watched him on Joe Rogan's podcast twice now, and he just seems like he lives in a different reality than the rest of us. Like,
0: oh, 100%.
1: He's <laughs> He's so intelligent to the point where, like, we can't really comprehend how intelligent he is. I think sitting down and just talking with that guy over dinner would be one of the most interesting experiences you know, imaginable. Like, I, I'm fascinated by that guy.
0: He definitely is interesting. You should, during that dinner, you should try to get, become one of the people that he sends to Mars. <laughs>
1: I don't know if I'm going to trust him that much. Like, I know he's a genius <laughs> and everything, but space is not in my future, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Uh, Brandon, thank you so much for making time today to come on the podcast. It was a really great conversation. Just the football career you went through, coming back from an injury, you know, deciding to stop when you did and having it really lead to this great career path that you're on. I'm going to keep following you for CrossFit. I feel like I'm going to eventually turn on the TV and you're going to be on the screen for CrossFit Games.
1: All right. That's the plan. I really hope so. And thank you so much, Bridget, for having me at, you know, a very weird set of circumstances that led to us uh, getting in contact <laughs> and setting this up, but it's been a great experience. And I'm so glad that it ended up happening.
0: Yes. Yes. Me as well. All right, everyone. That was my chat with Brandon True. Hope you enjoyed it. Really great to have someone from my alma mater on the podcast and awesome to hear about his terrific football career. It's a bummer that it ended in an injury, But really cool to now see him participate in CrossFit and Florida Grid. And I think he's going to become professional one day. I can't wait to keep up with his journey. I'll be back soon to speak with another outstanding athlete.